preciousness of the freedom uh, that, we, uh, that we have in this country. I, uh, I'm also uh, honored this morning that um, my sweet mother drove 150 miles to be here. Now, my sister and brother-in-law are here, but they were just kind of passing through, so I'm not going to give them a lot of credit. <laughs> also, I was, I'm honored to have served with uh, and sit at the feet of uh, Gary Beecham at Highland Oaks as a youth pastor uh, and learned a lot about grace and learned how, to, and learned how much and how valuable grace is and I think I did because Gary knew how much he needed. And so, uh, but, but I'm thankful, though, for the years I get to serve with Gary and Deanna, and I'm thankful to see them here as well. I'm under no illusions that uh, what I'm going to share with you this morning is um, very sentimental and very heartfelt for me. And I'm under no illusions that my sentimentality may not be valued. I was walking out of a restaurant a few weeks ago, and this father and mother were holding the hand of a little, looks like a little four-year-old little girl, walking into the restaurant, and she's pitching a fit. The little girl did not want to be there. And I'm reminiscing that my, older, or my youngest child is about to graduate from Lipscomb University in Nashville, and so I'm looking at this precious picture of a mother and father holding this hand of this little girl. And so I decided to impart my little wisdom on this little couple as I'm walking through my trouble. <laughs> and so I looked at them and I said, uh, enjoy these years. <laughs> I said, because before you know it, they'll be gone. And the father picked up the little girl and he handed her to me and goes, would you like to start over? <laughs> so I'm under no illusion that what I share this morning, you may say the same thing back to me. So, Maybe I had the mic. There we go. Is that better? Oh, sorry about that. Um, I grew up in a uh, small town 150 miles south of here called Madisonville, Texas. Born and raised there. My dad preached in that community for 50-something years. And he was the son of a gospel preacher, Madison Roy Stevens and Hallie Stevens, and they had five children, four boys, one daughter. My dad was the youngest boy. Eldridge Stevens, who was the senior minister here, was the oldest. And you have to know something. I grew up among giants, not just physically. These men were large men but they were giants in their faith. And I grew up in that environment, being around them and seeing them and, and this, this absolute level of joy of Christianity and following Christ. It, it was not uncommon to songbooks to come out in the middle of Thanksgiving and everyone sit around and we worship together and we sing together. And that was the environment. And I guess this was a, common practice maybe back in that day I'm not sure I'm not sure if I should call child protective services or not but my mother and father stuck me and my sister on a Greyhound bus and shipped us to Dallas to see Uncle Eldred and Aunt Joe 
And that was back in the day, I guess that was the safe thing to do. But we, we got on the bus, and Uncle Eldred and Aunt Joe, they met us at the bus station here in Dallas. I fell in love with Dallas. I'll never forget it as a kid, and I was, this was probably 1977 or so. I mean, the, I remember the red horse on top of the building in downtown Dallas. I remember as a kid, I remember seeing that. My uncle was a pilot. He'd take us up in a plane, and we'd fly over downtown Dallas and see the city. And I mean, I love Dallas. I love coming here. I, the house on Stanhope, some of you may know the church used to own a house over on Stanhope. I, I love that house. I love going to that house. You walk out to my uncle's garage, and he raises the garage, and there's a convertible Carmen Ghia Volkswagen. I'm telling you. And we rode around that car like we were James Bond, man. I mean, we're, we're, we're riding around the city together. And my Uncle Eldred, if you knew Uncle Eldred and Aunt Joe, you knew that when you walked into their home, there was a level of joy there. They loved the Lord, and they loved being happy, and they loved laughter. And I, I mean, I'm telling you, to say that I enjoyed being here would be a grand understatement. There was a restaurant they took me to called Little Bit of Sweet. Anybody remember that restaurant? Oh, yeah. I, all the boiled shrimp and banana pudding. That's all I cared about, those two things. <laughs> and I'm telling you, they, they took us around to this, to this uh, beautiful city. Uncle Eldred brings me to work here in this place, in this building. And he's in his office, and as a little boy would do, it's time to explore. So I, I, I went all over this building. Um, I went to find, the, of course, where the baptistry was, and went to, I went to all the little classrooms. I, just, I, I went all around this facility. And to come here and to visit my uncle and aunt was a precious, precious thing for me. I loved it. And I have such fond memories of that. Now, you, you fast forward the clock, February the 20th, 1979. Um, we get the word, and I don't want to diminish something here. I want you to know how much my father valued his relationship with his older brother. There's a, there's a long story behind that of why, but I'm not going to get into that. But I just want you to understand that Eldred was precious to my dad. We get the word that there's been a plane crash. Eldred and three other men that were teachers here at this school, at the Preston Road School of Preaching. They were flying back from lectureship at Abilene Christian University. And that night, the fog was very heavy. My dad had a conversation with the FAA investigator about the crash. What he was told was that it was obvious that they were trying to find the runway out at Redbird Airport. And they could not, it was obvious they couldn't see where the runway was. And the, what the investigator said it looked like, they were coming in on, almost on top of the Redbird Mall is where they almost landed. And when he realized that that was not the runway, they could not tell, that they couldn't seem to see the ground, that that was not the runway. The investigator said it looked like that the, the plane was immediately kind of gassed to hurry up and get off, get away from there and it stalled a few hundred yards away from the mall and went down into a field outside of the mall where they perished. 
it was devastating to us as a family. If you go through seasons of questioning God, that was one of those seasons for me. This family that I loved, this uncle and aunt that I loved so much, 12 years old, first person in my family that I can remember that passed, 12 years old. And so we come here the funeral to this place before we arrived here we stood in a circle as a family over at that house on Stanhope and for the very first time in my life I heard Nick Stevens who's Eldred's son I heard Nick pray a prayer that I'd never heard a prayer like that for in my life I never heard someone be frustrated with God. I never heard that. It was always real churchy. Everything the church speak and everything was just perfect church talk and everybody prayed perfect little church prayers. I never heard prayers like, God, we don't understand why in the world you would ever allow something like this to happen. He prayed exactly how I was feeling. Don't understand it. These men didn't want to do anything but teach other men to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why in the world? We come into this place overwhelmed by the love of the people that sit in this room. Some of you. I'm, there's a reason I'm telling you the story for those who were not here. Because I really believe you have a legacy to continue. We came into this room overwhelmed by absolute love and embrace. And this tug of war going back and forth in my heart of hearing different passages of the scripture about that this is victory, that where, O oh, death, is your sting, where, O oh, death, is your victory that now we can celebrate and didn't feel much like celebrating. But this tug of war was going back and forth in my own heart. But the people in this place, people I had no idea who they were, they loved me, they embraced me, and I saw the way. And when you see your father sit and weep, and when you see grown men in this church embrace and love and build up and encourage it marks you but something happened as i'm sitting here and i'm sitting about right over here and it's time for the uh, family to get up and walk out of the church after the service And as we stood and turned in the balcony where all the students of the Preston Road School of Preaching 
being led by Randy Green. If you know Randy, he's full of life. That little airplane that my uncle flew everywhere, he flew all over the country recruiting preachers all over the place. Randy will tell you the story. He landed in Hope, Arkansas to recruit Randy to come be a preacher. And Randy's standing at the front of that balcony, and all these men of the, of the Preston Road School of Preaching are standing there singing, Victory in Jesus. And as I'm walking down that aisle, right there, I'm overwhelmed with a sense there's a better place to live than here. I'm overwhelmed with this idea that all of a sudden, all these stories of heaven, all of a sudden, it became real to me walking down that aisle right there. It became life to me walking down right there. My wife and I were trained. Um, we planted a church in 2007 uh, out in Forney. It's where I preach. And my wife and I went through this uh, training with Dr. Galen Van Reen and an Abilene Christian called Mission Alive. And one of those things that you walk through training is this idea of how are we spiritually forming people, that Christ is, should be being formed in you. So how has that happened in your own spiritual life? He asked us the question, how and where was Christ formed in you? There's a little country church down in Midway, Texas, where Christ was deeply formed in me. But one of those other places is right down that aisle, where Christ was formed in me. So this place... This place is precious to me. My mother drove here because our family deems this place precious to us as a family. There's a passage of scripture in Philippians. And when I see this passage, I think about the Preston Road Church. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. They asked me to title this sermon. So my title is very plainly, the debt I owe. And the debt I owe is to say thanks to this church. Thanks for your passion for wanting to partner with my uncle to send gospel preachers all over the world. Thank you for your passion to love the Lord and his word and the, and the holy word of God. Thank you for your love that you showered on us as a family during the darkest days of our life. I want to close this morning with two challenges today. The first one is always be diligent about 
promoting and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, no matter what the culture throws at us, and it's throwing a lot of curveballs, Jesus is still the answer. No matter what. Life's problems, heartaches, concerns can be lifted up by our Savior if we, if his children, are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, that we don't mind where we talk about it. Um, Randy Green, who I told you led the chorus of the men, I called Randy this week reminiscing with him. I said, Randy, what was the reaction of the preacher students after four of the faculty were killed in the plane crash? I go, were people like wanting to go, are we, are we going to give up? He goes, you've never seen more power and passion that they were not going to allow Satan to ruin and stop the word of God from flowing into the hearts of other people. And they were devoted to stay. And the school, as Jim said earlier, hung on for another 25 years. Don't ever let culture tell you that the gospel and the word of God is not important. It is important. So that's my first challenge to you. Every ministry in this place, make sure somehow or another we are gearing hearts to the gospel of Christ. The second thing is to the men. Dads, fathers, grandfathers, be giants. Be giants to these young men that you see around here. Live a life that makes them look at you in awe of your faith. Be giants. Um, when I decided to lay this challenge before you, I started wondering I wonder what the theme of the lectureship was in 1979 when my uncle attended. And the theme was the home in crisis. And Gary Beecham preached a sermon the night before my uncle was killed at Abilene Christian. And I want to use, I want to close with two quotes. One from Gary, and then I want to use a letter from my Uncle Elder to close with. This is what Gary said as he talked uh, about fathers and the importance of fathers. He said, fathers, we cannot afford the luxury of wasting the precious few years we are given as a pure gift of time from God with the precious lives with which have been placed into our hands to mold, shape, and eventually return to him. This is a letter that my dad, when my dad passed away, I went through his things and I found a little shoebox. And the little shoebox was a letter that my uncle Eldred had written to his mother on Mother's Day and he had written one to his father on Father's Day. And I guess as they had passed, they, those letters had been passed down to the different kids. And Uncle Eldred had this 
and my dad had it in his little shoebox. Eldred came from a generation of letter writers, not textures. This is, this is what you call an elegant letter, and I want to share it with you, uh, and then we'll be dismissed after I pray. Dear Dad, another's Father's Day has come, and I am, I am urged again to remember how much I am indebted to you for all that I am and all that I have. As I work with people, nothing stands out more vividly than the influence of a father in his home and his children. So many tragic individuals have come to me with serious problems that are so easily traced to the failures of a father to set the right example, to offer the right instruction, or to exercise the right authority. Of course, I feel that mother is ideal and that uh, few women have given themselves so completely and unselfishly to their children as she. Her blood and influences and her personality are not to be minimized, but she too probably is what she is largely because of the union and the association with the man whom our family honors today. I am grateful to you for teaching me to love the Lord, the church, and the Bible, for, for rearing me in a setting which church going, Bible study, gospel singing, and prayer were as vital and regular as going to school, going to work, or sitting down for a common meal. I am grateful to you for teaching and showing me the sacredness and beauty of love and faithfulness within the home, for helping me to want within my own home the reservoir of happiness and deep emotional experience that I could see in yours. I am grateful to you for genetic and environmental factors that have made possible whatever professional talents that I may possess. Language could never express fully the gratitude that should be expressed. Of course, you're not perfect, but I seriously hope that I can just approach your greatness as a father, Dad, with all my love and honor. Men, be godly men and teach these young boys walking around here how valuable walking in faith truly is. Father God, you are a wonderful God. A God that has prepared a place for us. A place that is victory for those who have placed their hope in your son Christ. And I thank you for the legacy of this sweet church. For the way they have partnered with so many through generations to spread the gospel around the world. And I pray that that legacy continues. That in all they do and all they touch, they will be tremendously blessed. I pray that for the souls that have not yet come to Christ that will because of the faith of the men and women sitting in this place. And I, Father, I pray that you shower us with your mercy and with your grace. And God, I'm so thankful to be walking in your kingdom every day. And I'm thankful for the legacy of faith which you have handed to me. Help us be the men 
you've called us to be and the women that you've called us to be. Help us have a passion for the gospel and for your word. It's in the sweetest name that I could ever pray in, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.